Hi, I'm Leisha Nelson, and you are listening to the Nurturing Resilience Podcast, where I weave together the worlds of somatics, science, and energetics to nurture a deeper connection to yourself. This is a podcast that covers a span of topics and ideas from guests storytelling rites of passage that catalyzed their resiliency, to nervous system and mind-body health education, to deep contemplation on topics such as cultivating connection to ourselves and others in a complex world. I can't wait to dive in to each episode with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome to today's episode where I am interviewing spiritual practitioner, healing artist, life coach, massage therapist, and sexuality professional, Melissa Height. Melissa has spent her entire life studying the physical body, sexuality, and spirituality. And she has a wonderful balance from academic to experiential education. And she's really here to be of service to waking the larger community around sexuality, sensuality, and boundaries. Melissa has numerous certifications and education ranging from holistic sex education certification, sexual wellness coaching. She's a licensed massage therapist. She also is certified in lymphedemia. She's a legal sex worker. She has studied and trained in pole and fitness training and competition. She used to teach a local group called the birds and the bees and now is working one-on-one coaching ranging from sexuality, sensuality, boundaries, menstruation education. I mean, Melissa really does it all which is why I decided to invite her on my podcast today and we're doing things a little bit differently. I polled the, my Instagram community and asked my listeners, what sensuality and sexuality questions do you have? What are the things that you want to know? And I got a pretty good response. So that's what we're going through today is the response from you, my listeners, where you could literally ask Melissa anything. So as we continue on this journey around taboo topics, of course, we have to address sensuality and sexuality. And I really wanted to create a space where anything could be asked. No question was too far out there. No question wasn't okay. It really was just send in your questions. What do you want to know? I'm really excited to share her answers with you today and just introduce Melissa to my audience and hear what she has to say. I personally learned a lot from what she had to say and helped create a different perspective on a few ideas. If you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends, your family members, your social media platform. Consider writing a review and let me know what you think of today's episode. Melissa is also very open to further questions or supporting you in your own sensuality and sexuality journey. I will link her information below on how you can connect with her and start to work with her. 
So let's dive into today's episode and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. All right. So today we have Melissa Height and I know, well, I don't know Melissa. I met Melissa through a mutual friend. Uh, we actually just met a couple of weeks ago through an email and I had pulled my audience, my Instagram audience and said, okay, what taboo topics does everyone, does everyone want to know about? And every single person said sex or sexuality, every single person. So I was sharing this with a dear friend and I said, I, I don't feel comfortable or confident enough to take this on myself. Like, yes, I can talk about sex, sexuality, but not to the level that I feel like my audience wants. What do I do? And she said, oh, I know someone who you can talk to. That is how I met Melissa and I invited her on and I'm really happy to have her on here today. I think we'll start with just, Melissa, do you want to introduce yourself kind of a little bit about what you, what you do and what you offer? Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on and to talk about sexuality with you. So thanks so much for having me on. I think in a nutshell, one of the main things I do is help people talk about sexuality because it is hard in a lot of ways. And I, yeah, I help people have conversations about sexuality or difficult conversations one-on-one in couples, in small groups. And so that's kind of the basic crux of what I do. How I got here is a long journey. Um, I started studying sexuality as a kid, quite literally. I was a curious kid and I had a lot of questions that went unanswered with the adults in my environment. And I didn't accept that. I didn't accept the non-answers and the awkward vibes and the judgmental looks. And so I started sneaking away in libraries into the adult sections and finding anatomy books and just different things to get answers that I knew were human experience answers to human experience questions that were normal and natural. And I didn't quite understand why people were awkward about it, but I still wanted my answers. So I started studying sexuality as a young age, at a young age. Um, I was a gymnast as a kid and that led me into pole dancing as a young adult and then quickly into teaching pole fitness instruction. That very naturally went with coaching people on how to move in their body, how to be somatically embodied in a way that was sexual and safe. And a lot of stuff came up for people that moved their hips for the very first time or felt sexy or didn't felt sexy or, you know, all sorts of things. So coaching just kind of naturally went along with that. Much longer story short, then I went to school at the Institute of Sexuality and Enlightenment. And that It took me about four years to complete that training. I got certified as a holistic sex educator. And I really love that because I don't see sexuality as something based in our genitals at all. I see it very much as a holistic experience that involves our entire body, all of our relationships, all of the dynamics in life. I see sex as everything. Sometimes I feel like I'm too pigeonholed in sexuality, that my coaching is really all of life coaching, but that my niche is definitely helping people with sexuality. So long story, a a little bit shortened. That's how (laughs) I got to what I'm doing now. Yeah. I just love that as a kid, you were like, no, these answers aren't the answers. There's more out there. There's more to be seen and said and talked about. And, and you went and figured that out on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you grow up in the eighties, nineties? Yeah. Eighties, nineties. Yep. 
Yep. So kind of, I grew up in that era too. And I grew up in a, in a Mormon household, Mormon family. And so sex was not talked about. Anatomy wasn't talked about. These things just, it was shamed upon. And it wasn't until I was in my late twenties when I really actually even started to dive into my own sexuality, Mm. sexuality in my body, what sexuality even means. Like I, I was such a late bloomer. It was my twenties and thirties that I started to figure this stuff out and like what it meant for me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something called a holistic sex educator for our Mm -hmm. listeners that don't know what that is. What is a holistic sex sex educator? Well, it involves helping people, educating people about all sorts of things. So sex education um, involves, gosh, anatomy, physiology, relationship dynamics, consent, boundaries. The the layers are are pretty vast. Um, We tend to have a very myopic view of what sexuality is. And part of the education is kind of blowing the doors open on how, how vast the topics are that may or may not relate to what you think sex is, that may or may not have anything to do with your genitals. Yeah, and the holistic part part goes into the micro and the macro, the, the personal stuff, all the way to the societal and global uh, issues that we deal with. Yeah, so micro being like your own interpretation of sex, how it feels like maybe in your body or how you were, you know, all the conditioning, those aspects to the macro of like how society might view women, something like that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Those are great examples. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And you work both one-on-one and a group context with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I taught classes for about two and a half years in Salt Lake city. Um, I ran a meetup group called the birds and the bees, and it was a weekly meetup where I wrote the curriculum every week. I don't know how I caught, how I stayed up on that. It was, it was intense, but, um, I did it. I wrote new curriculum every week. And that really got me into uh, knowing what I wanted to teach, what my wheelhouse was, what I was good at, what I wanted to pass on to other people and that kind of thing. So I don't do a lot of group stuff now. I intend to do a few group sessions next year, but mostly coaching, mostly one-on-one and couples. Amazing. I love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and later we'll share how people can get a hold of you to, to do some deeper work if yeah. they're interested in diving into this with you for sure. Um, and all of her links will be below in the show notes as well. So this is a little bit of a different podcast than what I normally do. Normally we just kind of have more of a conversation and we just let things flow. And, um, and when I reached out to you, you were like, this is really big. <laughs> that's a lot to do. So we decided to pull my audience. We decided to say, Hey, audience also again, Instagram, a little bit of Facebook, but mostly Instagram. What it, what is it about sexuality? Like, give me your questions. And I got some really good questions. I was actually really happy with the results. Um, so we're just going to take uh question by question, read through them. We'll see where those flow. We'll answer those. Everything is I'm not going to tell people this person asked this question, like everything's kept hidden and confidential. So I think we'll just dive in. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. I love the, I love the framework of this. All right. Um, Let's start with this first question. And this is a very broad question and and I can kind of share a little more. This person shared a little bit more, but basically how can women embrace 
their sexuality mm-hmm. more. Yeah. That's a really broad question. And there's definitely not a, a one size fits all answer to that. It would be catered to each woman. I think most women in order to embrace their, embrace their sexuality need healing. Mm-hmm. I think most of us need healing to get to that level. Um, learning how to feel safe and creating environments that are safe. Uh, most of us have had far too many experiences that are unsafe when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to being a woman in the world mm-hmm. because of our sexuality. So there's a lot of healing that needs to happen on an individual level and a global level um, for us to continue to grow into embracing our sexuality more. But as you're doing that, as you're doing your healing process, there's a lot of books you can read and podcasts you can listen to, which would be more cerebral. I would recommend dancing and moving and touching your own body anywhere, everywhere in sexual ways and non-sexual ways and whatever, but exploring your body and exploring what feels good to you, what pleasure is for you. Yeah, movement. What movement feels sexy? Where do you feel kind of stuck? What, where do you want to move through stucknesses? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel, ooh, that this is dirty or wrong or bad and makes you have judgments of that? All of it as an exploration. Definitely getting some kind of help, some kind of coaching in these areas is huge. If it's something you really want to take on and have some uh, good progress in, I would get a mentor, get Hmm. some help from somebody who knows how to move through these realms. Yeah, it's almost like if you want to learn how to dance or play soccer, you'd hire a mentor to then Mm -hmm. learn how to do those things. And so if there is this desire to embrace your sexuality or open yourself up in that way, having someone who's experienced to kind of guide you through those aspects. Mm -hmm. How did you, this isn't one of the questions, but do you remember kind of your own process of you embracing your sexuality or opening up like was it pole dancing is that kind of the moment or do you have a distinct moment I'm one of those odd kids and and I've come to find statistically that I'm not that odd I remember orgasming by about four years old Hmm. starting to um give myself orgasms facilitate orgasms for myself which weren't at all sexual they were very physical it was very much a physical release for me. And I did that ever since I was a little kid. And so when sexuality gets introduced, like with puberty and hormones, those years, um, I was really scared. I was really scared. And a lot of it came from my peers. I grew up non-Mormon in a very, in a very Mormon environment. And so I became the scapegoat. I became the there was lots of black and white, good and bad, light and dark stuff. So I just, I just became the embodiment of all things evil, even though I wasn't, you know, I was just a kid, but I became the slut, even though I had no experience and I, you know, my boobs grew. So she got implants or she's pregnant or, you know, all the things. So I definitely stayed away from sexuality as a teenager because I was, I was so scared of it. Um, and scared of if people are saying this now about me, what are, what's going to happen if I, if I do kiss someone, if I do explore someone's genitals or whatever. So, um, I stayed away from it. So it's been an ebb and flow, a back and forth throughout my life. 
I don't know if there was like a pivotal moment. Yeah. Uh, pole dancing for me was very much me re uh, visiting my gymnast childhood self. Mm, so like it didn't necessarily, yeah, it didn't necessarily feel sexy or sexual to me. I was uh, doing tricks that were cool and using my body in cool ways and people thought it was sexy. So that's great, but I wasn't <laughs> trying to, trying to be ultra sexy in those times. Well, and I'm just going to name pole dancing, pole dancers, so much musculoskeletal strength and core mm. strength. I took a couple classes and holy shit, like I was an athlete and I grew up playing soccer and played, you know, played soccer for a long time. And I couldn't do shit on a pole. Like mm-hmm. I thought I was strong until I took a pole class. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's intense for sure. It's a whole other way of doing things. Yeah. I think for me, I'll just share a little bit around, because one of the comments and one of the questions was like, we need more stories of women embracing their sexuality. Like when women embrace their sexuality and show up calm, confident, strong, sexual, it encourages other women to show up that way too. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, when I started doing deeper womb healing and deeper womb work, after meeting a mentor and, and really not knowing at the time what I was getting into, but something in my gut instinct said, you know, you need to study with her and this is some, a path, a direction that you need to go on. That's when I started to embrace my sec, my own sexuality was when I started to connect with my womb and recognize, holy shit, I have this whole organ that I've completely disconnected from in my body And I needed to do a lot of deep healing work around that for me individually, collectively, Mm -hmm. what happens on the patriarchal level for society. And that's when I feel like I started to wake up a little bit. Mine was all shame-based. I think probably also from being raised Mormon, but being like, I don't need to feel shame for my sexuality or how I show up or how much I do or how much I don't do. And whether that involves, like you said, genitals, whether it does or doesn't involve genitals, like sexuality is such a broad term. And I love how you're making that differentiation, genitals or not. Mm -hmm. And sexuality doesn't have to involve sex Mm -hmm. or genitals. (laughs) Yeah. And I like to, I like to remind women of that. And just that like you said, getting help, working on my womb, working on some different somatic practices and aspects, doing some de-armoring work, going to a pelvic floor therapist. Like this has been a journey. <laughs> I'm still on the journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. To oh. yeah, to embrace that and just be okay. Right. We probably will always be on that journey, I think. I hope. I hope. Yeah. It's a beautiful journey. I do want to speak to embracing our sexuality and that it is a process and um, we will often ebb and ebb and flow through an overexpression and an underexpression in our journey to find that middle ground of what is sexual integrity to us as individuals. Um, We can see that a lot in society, this extreme repression and then an extreme overexpression that just feels kind of gross to us that like shoved in your face these you know images and uh, ideas and stuff Um, and that's part of 
the balance. It, it, we have to go to this overexpression to, to balance out this suppression. And you see that a lot with people coming out of religion, that it's a big demographic I work with is people healing from, from the religion they grew up in. You see a lot of, they've had so much suppression that they go into doing all the sex and trying all the drugs and doing all the partying and it's not sustainable. I, I like to help coach people on ways of like creaking the doors open and opening them a little and, and playing, playing in safe ways that don't blast out their nervous systems. But yeah, I just wanted to speak to, to that so you can kind of notice where you're at. Are you overexpressed or underexpressed in particular areas? And how can you find more balance there? Mm, I really appreciate that. I remember that when I was starting to explore and heal and, and do some deeper work, I totally went into this overexpressive stage. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. can, you can go through my Facebook and you'll be like, oh, that's the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I think with part of that expression is that it also became very externally oriented. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't based on, cause that was part of, part of my healing journey was this over external orientation mm-hmm. and versus coming back to me mm-hmm. and having my sexuality be for me. But mm-hmm. it, it was this like, <laughs> I'm a sexual being in the totally. world. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's great that you name that and how important that is for anyone listening to start to recognize like, yeah, there is this, there's an ebb and flow and a wave and a cycle and, and it's all part of the journey. Right. And there's nothing wrong with either. I'm not shaming either. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. in an overexpressed state and very, very outward with it and just being super flaunty, like that's, that's fine. If that's where you're at, I don't want to be there. Cause I don't feel safe there. I don't yeah. feel safe in the world being super sexy in the world. I've had too many violations in public, mm-hmm. right? Just by being a woman that I don't feel safe like that. Mm-hmm. So I like having my sexuality a little bit tighter, which is interesting. A lot of people would assume otherwise with me because I talk about it so freely because I help people with it, but I don't talk about my sexuality so freely. I don't, I don't go on podcasts and tell you the deep details of what I'm into Cause that is, that is personal and private. I don't think it's underexpressed. I think it's very healthy in my relationship. It is, it's close to me and my body. Yeah. Yeah. I've just come to the state of like, wherever people are, no judgment. Like, sure. I don't know their story. I don't know their history. I don't know their nervous system. Like rock on wherever mm-hmm. you are in your journey. You do you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to just make sure I, I said that, that I'm not, I'm not saying it's problematic to be one way or another you are where you are and love where you are 100% I love that and I think that is part of the journey is you do for me I did come to this space where it's like yeah I am where I am and who I am and I'm good with that Mm -hmm. yeah that's a sexually empowered woman Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for pointing that out that is yeah Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads on to the next question. I split mm-hmm. it up and we might've already answered this, but once we do embrace it, how does this impact our confidence? Just entirely, <laughs> directly <laughs> and entirely, completely. Um, our, our sexual energy is our life force energy. It's our creative energy, the energy of creation. We create humans with it. We create everything else with it. It is. Um, it is source energy. 
So being aligned with that and flowing that and channeling that you're connected and you're kind of in the pocket of the flow of life. So confidence just comes with that. Confidence just, just is there. It's a, it's not an arrogant kind of confidence. It's not an external, it's a deep knowing kind of a confidence This quiet, but deep internal confidence. Yeah. And the life force energy, if we look at things as a life force energy, if we're going with that current and we're going with that flow versus going against it, like it takes energy to go against that flow or against mm-hmm. that current. And that is going to hinder the confidence and the peace right. and the inner knowing. And it's going to feel off for you in your own body. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel that malalignment. And that's going to make you feel unconfident. Like, oh, I'm not quite sure. uh, Is this the right thing to do? Is it, should I quit that job? I don't know about this relationship. Yeah. It's going to affect all aspects of your life. Yeah. And it comes down to back to question, the first question of like embracing who you are, getting healing work, Mm -hmm. journey. It's going to last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. But there is support out there. There is help me and others and many others, right? Yeah. Maybe this is a question for us to speak to. (laughs) This question says, I want to hear more stories about sexually empowered women. women. Mm. It feels very rare. It feels Mm. like when women choose to be sexually empowered, they are labeled and judged as sluts, et cetera. Yeah. People will be labeled and judged. And also that's just one, like, that's just some noise that you can disregard if you are embodied and empowered in your sexuality. I don't, I don't care what people, you can call me a slut. I don't care. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that word means to you. It, it becomes irrelevant when you're a sexually empowered person. They're wanting to hear more stories. Where do we hear more stories? You know, there's podcasts and YouTube and, and books and your friends and just having conversations about it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who I look up to. A healthy, sexually empowered woman. And Mm -hmm. something I work with clients sometimes is like, I'll use archetypes. What's the archetype? What's the energy? And so what's the energy or the archetype? Say the archetype is the empowered sexual woman. and, And I'd say, well, find someone in society. Like if you can't inhabit that in yourself right now yet, that's totally fine because you're healing that. But even if it's a made up person, someone in a movie, someone that you know, that you can then like bring that energy in and start to be like, oh, this does exist in society. This isn't some made up archetype in my head or some desire. Mm -hmm. This does exist in, in real life and is out there. I think there's a lot of those Aquaman the movie his mom mm, I think it I was haven't played... seen it tell me about her oh my god I think it was played by Nicole Kidman maybe okay she's a badass and she I did this practice this martial art practice for a while called Kolari and you fight with long sticks mm-hmm. and she comes into the scene and she's like kicking ass and she's fighting with a long stick and you know she's like 
older because she's the mom and she's just like fucking hot. Like she's in this really beautiful outfit. And so to me, I'm like, she's doing it all. She's saving her son and being the mother. (laughs) She's looking really good. She's totally empowered. And she just like had this energy. I am a badass. I am empowered. And I look good while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Speaking to that made me remember um, some goddesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder how impactful it would be for people to study Oshun, African mm-hmm. goddess Oshun, mm-hmm. or even, you know, Aphrodite or Kali, or who else do you want to find? And what, what do they have to teach you? What messages can you get from studying different deities? Yeah. Isis, Frigg, Freya, like. I think there's probably plenty for (laughs) us to search through, right? And then also I would sit with what does, what does empowerment mean to you? or look like for you because that will mean different things to different people yeah so I can tell you what empowerment feels like for me or what that looks like but someone will listen to that and think like what is she even talking about Mm -hmm. that's empowerment no this is empowerment so sit with your journal and on your meditation cushion and get clear on what what is sexual empowerment what kind of sexual being do you want to be and how do you want to proceed in the world as an empowered sexual being? How does that look to you? Yeah. And I like what you said about friends as well. Like have these conversations with your friends, like bring Mm -hmm. this up, talk about it because, you know, like that's the first, that's one of the first places to start to feel safe. And this, this is true for trauma work, whether it's therapy or mentoring, like that becomes the place to create safety and try out these different things or feelings or experiments and then that grows into your friendship group Mm -hmm. and once once you know that you can do these things and feel safe there and you have the nervous system capacity for it it's like okay now I'm going to take that out into the world and try that and and move through the waves of the ins and outs of this experiment and how it feels and the expansion Mm -hmm. and the contraction but it does start in mentoring and coaching in your friendship circles to to show up that way and talk about these things. I'm so lucky that I work with sexuality so much that I get to hear people's all the little, like, guess what I'm into and guess what we did the other day and guess what my partner does and all the little joyful stories that I think should be every day, you know, maybe not in the workplace, you know, maybe there's plenty of places where it's inappropriate to bring that up, but with the people that you're more intimate with, like maybe start to share just that you had sex or that you had a dream or that you saw something and it turned you on or that, you know, whatever it is, just having conversations as, as gentle and minimal as you can, just to make it safe for you. You don't need to go all out with it, but just starting to express yourself in that way could go a really long way for you and your friends who go, oh my gosh, I don't know. I didn't know I could, I could talk to you about this. I'm really into that too. Or I've never even tried that. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I love it. Um, This one you might not have an answer for, but it's a good thing to kind of get maybe just on people's minds. Getting men more education 
around cycle tracking and sexuality without signing up for like the woman's class? I am so happy that that's a question. Was Do you know if that was asked by a man or a woman? It was asked by a woman. Okay. Slightly disappointing and that's okay. <laughs> um, I've taught classes with men. I've taught um, menstruation classes for everybody, several of them. I will eventually write that course because it is so important for mm-hmm. all bodies to be in touch with cyclical nature. We suffer from being plugged into the calendars and the clocks of our time. Um, and we benefit greatly from plugging into the cycles of, of nature, the natural cycles of the planet and our bodies. And women's menstrual cycles is this beautiful clock that we have. And the more men can be in touch with it, the more wisdom and empathy and generosity they can have. So that is a fantastic question. Um, I don't know of anything online. I have looked for it several times of specific stuff for men. I definitely will teach that and will help your man. I would love to. (laughs) There are so many things to learn that would be so helpful. I could go on with this question for a long time. I don't want to get too far into it, but I would recommend tracking your woman's cycle. You yourself as a man tracking their cycle. And you starting to make the connections of, oh, she really wants sex in this window. Oh, I really need to help her out a little extra. Like I'll run the bath, I'll do the dishes, I'll make the tea in this window here. You start to make your own connections and see the very natural ebbs and flows that women go through. It's a great lesson. It's a great lesson for all of us to not expect us to be the same person every day and to show up in the same way every day with the same amount of energy, the same mental framework. Like we're different. We go through cycles and that means we change and honoring that goes such a long way for everybody's health (laughs) and um, having the support from your male partners is massive. You know, in this context, I think it was more around the, like, he was curious, like, I want to track your cycle. I want to learn about these things now that we Mm. live together, but there's where do I go to, as a man, a, a place that feels safe, like that I can just mm-hmm. go and ask the questions that, you know, that don't feel safe to throw out there or to, to ask yeah. these things. So me go to me. Amazing. <laughs> All right, everyone. I, now, you know, I have helped a couple dads. I have, um, on my website, it's, I call it like daddy daughter liaison. I, I have helped some dads that have hired me to be a, some kind of intermediary with their 14, 15 year old daughters. Cause they're single dads and these conversations are awkward and they don't know what they need to be talking about. So I've been a intermediary in a couple of these situations and it's been such beautiful work to, mm. t- to teach both of them, mm-hmm. to teach the daughter how to have a period and how to go through these cycles and to have a phone number to call and to learn about products and to, call the dad and say, Hey, she needs a day off. This is one of those days or Mm -hmm. like these products aren't working. We need to get these ones or whatever, however it needs to happen. So I've done work in that way. Um, I've never taught a boyfriend, a partner about the cycle, but for sure I can, for sure. I would love to. (laughs) I love that you do that for the teenagers. Mm -hmm. I was, I was raised by a single father. Mm my sister and I are 18 months apart. When I got my cycle, it was just one of those things where I went and told my sister and I was like, I guess I need a tampon now. Mm -hmm. 
what do you know, who do I turn to? What do I do? Mm-hmm. And it's just the conversation of, well, now we need to buy more tampons from Costco. Now that I have two children, I mean, a period versus one. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was it. Like that was the conversation. Right. <laughs> now deal with it yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just like figure it out. I mean, that was mm-hmm. kind of my teenage years anyway, figure it out. And I did. Yeah. I, I did a really good job figuring things out. <laughs> my poor mother stole washcloths and cut them into pieces and would use washcloths and got in trouble for destroying washcloths and oh. had to go to her grandma. So grandma would go to her dad and say, hey, there's a reason she's stealing washcloths. You know, you need to help her. She can't take a bath with her little sister anymore. Mm-hmm. These kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, she needed she needed someone and didn't have that. And I, that's so common. You know, even with mothers that aren't willing to talk about things or aren't comfortable with talking about things. Mm-hmm. So it's a very common thing, but we are healing from it. There is getting to be more conversation around having it be a rite of passage and a ritual and a celebration into womanhood. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're getting better. There's a lot of menstruation educators out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like how it's getting more mainstreamed. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it is getting more talked about and, and more norm. I don't know if it's just the circles that I'm running in and the way I'm moving through the world now, but compared to how it was when I was a teenager, cycle awareness, talking about blood, that blood isn't dirty. Women aren't mm-hmm. dirty. Like all of that is shifting. I think what one thing we can all do as menstruators is to talk about it. And I I will tell people all the time, I'm not going to be coming out. I'm in my luteal phase and I just feel really introspective. And most people are like, what did she just say? (laughs) And I'll explain if they want, or I won't if they don't want, but Mm -hmm. I'll have those conversations all the time where I'll just put it in there. Like, no, I'm about to start bleeding. I'm not going to do that. Or after I'm done bleeding, I would love to go out to dinner with you. Mm. You know, just adding it into the conversation and making it more normal and mainstream. And people will kind of like tighten up and tense up. And that's the erotophobia, if you don't know that word, that's the erotophobia that we're working through, that we're trying to heal, which is the reason I bring it up, which is why I'm saying it, mm-hmm. to give the opportunity to take a breath and kind of shake it out a little bit and realize like, oh yeah, that, that is natural and that's okay. I don't need to panic right now. Blood, mm-hmm. blood is blood. <laughs> it's normal. So I think that's something we can all do. Um, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I just had the thought for this, this boyfriend to follow different Instagram profiles. Cause there are a lot of Instagram profiles on menstruation education. Mm. So find a few and follow them and just start to learn what, what the luteal phase is, what the follicular phase is. What does that mean? Yeah. And if you're a woman listening and don't know those things, like also go follow those Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> um, any favorites coming to mind at the top no, of your, of your I head? I really work hard to stay off of social media. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah, definitely don't have recommendations there. Yeah. Um, if I find any, actually, I'll, I can jot them in the show notes. Just any that I follow personally or mm-hmm. things kind of just that light me up and I've started to, when I'm on my active bleeding days, I do body work. I've stopped working on my active bleeding days. Me too. Mm -hmm. And I'm really honest with people. I, you know, if someone really wants to book and it's a, you know, my cycle's 90, 99% regular. So I pretty much know, Mm -hmm. 
But if there is like a small question, I will say to them, like, I will book you here, but I will likely cancel your appointment because I'm going to be bleeding. And I, mm-hmm. I actually really like having that conversation with people because it helps them start to think, oh my gosh, she schedules her work schedule around her cycle. Mm-hmm. And she's a woman who takes care of herself. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that too. That's why I'm getting body work from her. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I love that you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just changed a lot. The more I've tuned into my cycle, the health, like the healthier outside in all other areas of my life I've, I've become. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's talk about sex, sexual fluidity. Um, she wants more conversation. So here's the conversation. Here it is. But basically when she started dating multiple people uh, and started experience, uh, experimenting with polyamory, there was nowhere to ask questions or turn to for resources. She was like, felt completely alone in this world. Mm. I've heard this from some of my friends as well. When married, wanting to open up the marriage and just being like, who do we talk to about this? Like, mm. what does this process even look like? So mm. just wondering if there's, are there resources? Like, what does yeah. someone do? I feel like that, that's a surprise to me. I feel like there's, I feel like of all groups, maybe maybe gay groups or kink groups are more organized, but right up there with them are the poly groups. There's lots of different poly meetups. I would go to um, meetup.com or um, find groups on Instagram or Facebook, that kind of thing, and just look for different poly communities and organizations. I feel like there's a lot of that. Um, I have a, a resource for where I send all clients that are looking for coaching on polyamorous stuff, because I know a woman that is just like, it's her niche and she's the best. And I just send everybody to her because she's so fantastic. So I know a, a coach and I bet she has a group program. Um, I know she has a program and I, I'm sure there's group learning in it. Um, yeah. Her name's Dr. Jolie Hamilton, J-O-L-I Hamilton. Great. Pretty sure it's drjoliehamilton.com. Great. Um, she's the best. She's fantastic. She's PhD in this stuff. And I recommend everyone working on opening their relationship or questioning whether they want to open their relationship to, to go seek her work. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I will find her and put her in the show notes. Great. Um, yeah. And I, you know, again, just from watching this, watching friends go through this, it's like, they did the same overexpression, kind of that you talked about. Like they went all in and then shit hit the fan in their marriage. Yep. <laughs> the overexpression. And then one of them was like, I'm not doing this. You know, it just, it created oh, a yeah. lot of turmoil. Yes. Um, and so they were like, we, we need help. Like if mm-hmm. we're going to continue down this path, we, we need help navigating this path. I find most people exploring poly relationships vastly underestimate the emotional capacity and literacy involved in doing such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible. It can be a really beautiful thing and it can very much work and be healthy and happy. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of conversation and a lot of navigation and you probably need help with it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's but if you have two partners, it's not double the work. It's 
it's exponentially harder mm -hmm. to have multiple partners. Um, right. And most people, again, don't know how to have those conversations and so negate them mm -hmm. and messes are created. Yeah. I see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it just like, again, it just really comes down to the level of communication mm -hmm. and like, I will get into this a little bit with you a tiny bit of like boundaries, communication, mm -hmm. what's working, what's not working, just openly sharing honesty. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to do those things with one person or right. with yourself, how are you going to do that with two people? <laughs> right, right. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot to be said with that. Mm. Um, I think the emotional literacy is a big part of things. And I think also, I don't believe in making things fair and evil, uh, even and equal, not evil, <laughs> even and equal. I don't think that works as well as honoring each person and their particular needs. Mm. You know, one person may be okay to do it this way. And another person is like, hell no, that will never work for me. It, it has to look this way. And I think it's important to honor each individual's needs and not like, well, you had sex with one person. So I'm going to have sex with one person. So we're even, mm -hmm. I find that a lot and it creates competition within the relationship rather than honoring the individual needs of, of the relationship. Yeah. And just doesn't, doesn't seem like that would really work. <laughs> right. But there is help. There's a lot of books. There's tons of poly books. Um, and I think there's a lot of meetups too, though. Yeah. So if someone wanted to like, cause I'm, I'm obviously naive to this. If I wanted, or someone, a listener wanted to Google, like, would they just Google poly books or poly media? Yeah. Yeah. More than two is really great. Um, the ethical slut's a good one. Hmm. Um, sex at dawn is good. I'm trying to see my books over there on the shelf that I can't quite see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's some great books out there. Amazing. Yeah. Um, awesome. We just have three more questions. Do you have time okay. for them? I do. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So there are things I'm interested in trying sexually, but I'm not sure how to tell my partner. What is the best way to have these conversations? Mm, what a sweet question. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. I would say it just like that. I would find a moment to talk to my partner and I would say, there are things that I want to, that I've been thinking about exploring sexually and I feel scared. I feel scared to talk to you about it. And I want to talk to you about it. Are you open to having such a conversation? Mm -hmm. I would, I would come in in a very direct, clear and vulnerable way and say just that I want to talk to you about something. I may, I may want to try something sexually with you. Maybe not, you know, sometimes we have kinks and fantasies that they are meant to stay fantasies. And when we live them out, it doesn't, really turn out and it is better just to like have it be a fantasy mm -hmm. I would approach it in like over dinner when it's a quiet time together and you have this soft sacred space and say it just like you asked the question mm. vulnerable clear direct mm. and if you need more help with it yeah again get some support I love how you say vulnerable clear direct when I show up that way with my partner, regardless of what we're talking about, the conversation goes so much better. Yeah. Versus if I haven't made it clear in myself first and I'm still in my head and I'm still figuring things out and I show up and I'm like super tangential and 
And I'm like, I want this and I might want this and I don't know. And then this, and he's like, I I don't even know what. (laughs) How do I locate you? Where do I find you? What do you even want? (laughs) What are we doing here? (laughs) Right. Yeah, be very clear. And the first conversation might be, I'm scared and I'd like to have a conversation with you when you're, if, if and when we're ready. The first conversation might not be the conversation. It might be bringing up that you want to have a conversation. Mm. And then you get to dissipate some of the energy and the stress because then you see your partner goes, yeah, sure. I want to know or, you know, however they react, but it'll probably relieve a lot of your stress. And then you can start on the conversation then or come back to it later and say, okay, I have this fantasy or I have this thought that we do this thing this way. It may or may not work. I may or may not like it but I kind of want to try it. And then you get to navigate that. Beautiful. I hope this listener is listening. I do too. (laughs) They feel resolved. They feel helped. I like it. I really like that question. I feel the sweetness. I feel the tenderness behind it of like wanting to try something new and vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I hope they're in a safe relationship where they can do such a thing and navigate it well. All right. Now this one is on the other end of the spectrum, a little bit harder. (laughs) It's about losing trust in a partner. So this Mm. is a very broad question, but how do I recover from losing trust? I've lost a lot of trust in sex. And right now sex is me, quote unquote, bending over because I'm not comfortable being vulnerable anymore. Like I've lost the ability to be vulnerable. So what do I do? I want a presence right now in that moment that that I feel like a heartbreak. I feel Mm -hmm. emotional about that question. It is so important that you belong to yourself before you belong to anyone else. If you're quote unquote bending over, you're compromising your trust with yourself and your body. And that is massive. That Mm -hmm. is harder to get back than trust when in a relationship. I just highly recommend you discontinue (laughs) negating trust with yourself. Mm -hmm. That's massive. Yeah, there's more um, things I would need to know about the relationship and the partnership to answer in specific ways, but that's number one is that's not okay. And I'm I'm not a big believer of withholding sex from a partner as a, no, that that's not what I'm saying, but stop negating yourself. So how do we need to navigate this? I want to talk to this person directly. (laughs) I'm getting lost in the relationship and not the question. So the question is, how do you regain trust? So you need to maintain trust with yourself. Second, you need to not judge yourself for not having that trust. There's a reason why you don't trust them. There's a reason your body's giving you the messages it's giving you. It's not wrong. It's not an inconvenience. It's not you know, no judgment and shame of what's happening with your lack of trust. It's in response to something. I don't know what, but something. And that trust may or may not be able to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely worth a try. All relationships, like it's worth a try if you want to work on that, but that trust needs to be rebuilt before you just start on a pattern of just bending over and taking it just to appease somebody else. You may need to do a lot of therapy 
both of you, you may need to end the relationship because that trust will never come back or, or who knows what, um, yeah, big question, loaded question. I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place with answering it because there's a lot of detail not there. I feel like you did a, you know, for the, the little bit of information, you know, of such a big story, you, you made some really great points around, you know, if you're quote unquote, just bending over, Mm-hmm. Not only have you lost trust in your partner, but you've lost trust in yourself mm-hmm. and have lost the ability to, you know, maybe you are listening to yourself, but you're not. So if you're getting a no, your body's a no and your brain is a no, but you're doing a yes anyway. That to me is where the trust gets broken and where it's really hard to be vulnerable with other people when my yeses and nos are are kind of mixed up or not truthful. Mm-hmm. She's eroding her self-trust every time she does that. Yeah. And and it, and I want to say like it's not just this person. This is happening. Yeah. <laughs> so collectively on so many mm-hmm. levels where women mm-hmm. don't actually it's actually one of the first things I start to address in my womb work with women is getting really solid on their yeses and their noes from their body. And if there's been a lot of trauma, a a whole lifetime of mixed up yeses and noes, it takes some time to get really Mm -hmm. clear on like, this is a yes, this is a no. If I say yes and the person gets mad at me, I'm okay with that. And I'm going to move beyond some people-pleasing ways. So it is a really big thing here. Yep. This is big. Yeah. And I, I don't want to shame her either for doing for doing what she's doing. I just want to, I guess, caution and warn her that continuing that path is is going to not work out so well for her and being a empowered, confident, happy, healthy woman in the world. And um everything is so complicated and complex and we don't mm-hmm. know the whole history. And this is a great example of reach out and get some help from a sexuality yeah. coach, from a womb coach, a somatic coach, a therapist, right? depending on your style of, of receiving help. Mm-hmm. All right. Last one, sex and postpartum. I don't know if this mm-hmm. is something you deal with a lot, but how to carve out time? How do we make it fun for us again? Or is it just... Mm-hmm. Is this just how it is now that we have a baby, like Mm. sex sucks and it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) so I think, I think the, one of the first steps is accepting that it is different. Your sex life is different. You're a different person. Your partner's a different person. You have different dynamics in your life. You've likely been through trauma, like childbirth is trauma and potentially some really severe trauma. Um, so you're in a different body in that way. Your hormones are different. So accepting that your sex life will be different is important. I think trying to go back to what things were is going to be disappointing of a journey. So it will be different. That doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It could be better. It could be better that you have this deeper level of intimacy and understanding for each other and care for each other. It, it could definitely be a better situation. I would help the couple form a plan of what they want their sex life to look like and how to execute that. So it depends on all sorts of different dynamics. 
it, you could be needing to embrace more of the laundry room quickie or more of the weekend getaways that you need to absolutely make time for or having um, relationships with other adults where they take the kids this weekend and you take them next weekend and that kind of mm-hmm. thing to have more support and community support in your life and likely all of the above mm-hmm. you know all of those things yeah. Um, but yeah I would I would talk to the couple and form a plan with them on how it how they wanted to create their new sexual life operation reclaiming our sexual life <laughs> right because yeah. it is it's going to be it is going to be mm-hmm. different and change now that now that there is a child in the picture and, you know, and she had also said, is this just how it is forever? And I just want to say, no, no, how it is forever. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. Life has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is how this is now. Mm-hmm. If it's important and a desire to change, then you'll, you'll kind of like seek out the services or resources or help to, mm-hmm. or ask the questions to, start to shift it so that it can change. Right. And you may need to have some grief work Mm. to grieve the old relationship and the old sex life and the old body that you had and all of those kind of things. Beautiful point. Yeah. Um, Well, that's all the questions. I'm just going to ask you a few more. Um, One, only just from talking to you, I know that you've started to do a lot of work with boundary work. And I just Mm -hmm. want to give you a a moment or an opportunity to share kind of what you're starting to, well, what you already have done, but Mm -hmm. you're offering classes and you're doing coaching on boundary Mm -hmm. work. So I'd love for you just to share a tiny bit about that. Yeah. So um, with COVID, it became clear that I needed to transition all of my work into online curriculum. And it was very clear to me that the first thing that needed to happen was boundary work. It's mm-hmm. the most fundamental aspect of any of the work that I'm going to build on that we often struggle with. And we often just don't understand some really basic stuff about how boundaries operate. Uh, my focus is definitely on internal boundaries. So not in the conversations you have with your partner, but in the conversations you have with yourself mm-hmm. and in the commitments you have with yourself, what counters those commitments when you struggle with maintaining those commitments. Um, so I work deeply with people on their relationship with themselves and learning how to honor, honor those internal boundaries. So I wrote a course, I wrote an online course and it's combined with a coaching program. It's pretty in depth. Cause like you said, it takes people time to learn their yeses and nos, but also then like, there's a whole nother layer of honoring them in the world. Like, I know I don't want to have sex with this person, but I'm still going to anyway, that mm-hmm. creates an effect to know that you don't want to do something and then to follow it up with your actions, that's monumental, that's challenging, and it takes support. Um, So the coaching program is one-on-one coaching as well as group coaching. And I'm kind of in people's back pockets so they can call me up and like, hey, I have to have this conversation with my mom. And I'm afraid to say that I'm not coming to Thanksgiving dinner. And I think I'm going to cave and I will talk them through that because we need to have the experiences in real time. There's great concepts that I deliver. There's great lessons in there. There's a lot of good work and a lot of great homework, but it comes down to implementing it into your life and having support in real life with how to navigate having boundaries. Because usually we're accustomed to navigating how to people please and then how to try to take care of ourselves later when we're so depleted 
and so exhausted and so violated often. Mm-hmm. So yeah, online coaching program, online course with coaching program. It's called Boundless Living. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, boundaries, we often think of like stopping points and gates and fences and these hard lines. And really when we understand what a boundary is and how it works, it's quite the opposite. It's quite an open door. It's very boundless. So it's intentionally named Boundless Living to teach us a new way of being. And I think it's really beautiful, of course, in my humble opinion, but I, I've seen a lot of success with it. It took me a year to write it and create it. Wow. online and I'm I'm really proud of it and I really want people in it. I really want people going through it more and more. It's not convenient work. It's not easy. It's definitely going to push you and challenge you and change your life. You know, it's going to change a lot of things in your life when you realize that you're you're aligned with things that go against your truth. Mm. And when you when you work to rectify that, it will make some big waves in your world. I'd love to talk to anyone more about that. Um, can book a free consultation, like a 15-minute consultation. That's on my website to do that. And we can talk more about it to see if it's a fit for you and for me to work together. It's pretty intimate work. Mm-hmm. As much as I have wide open arms, there's some people that I won't work with if I don't feel like they're committed to it and ready to really take it on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I do consultation calls as well as it has to be a good fit for both of us. And mm-hmm. you have to be ready. Like you really do have to be ready totally. to dive into this deeper work. Totally. Yeah. And no judgment if, if you're not, but um, it is a commitment. Yeah. So that's, that's my main focus is that, that boundary course. Cause that's the one that I have completed at this time. And then the one-on-one coaching is all sorts of stuff, the sexuality, all the sorts of stuff that we talked about today, and even more one-on-one coaching or coaching with couples is what I'm focused on right now. Amazing. I love it. Anything else you want to share? There are a bunch of questions, but anything that you're like, you know, I think it's important for people to know this about boundaries or about sexuality Mm -hmm. or about women, women or empowerment or cycles. You know, I think just knowing and understand sexuality is so important. It's such a beautiful aspect of life that I'd like us all to enjoy. I'd like us all to have a healthy relationship with and to be in integrity with. I'm doing this work because I want to be in a world with other people that have happy, healthy sexual experiences and are in integrity with themselves with sexuality. Like, I just have this big, lofty, beautiful vision of that. So... I encourage you to do your work and to do your healing and however that looks for you. Uh, Cause there's a beautiful world of owning your power and being embodied in this sacred energy that runs through all of us. That's not dirty or wrong or bad or shameful or any of the above. It's beautiful. It's holy. It's sacred. It's everything. Let's do the work. Yeah. I'm like, I want to live in that world too. Yeah. <laughs> I do live in that world. <laughs> yeah. I kind of do. I do too. I've created that world. <laughs> but I want other people to be in that world. Totally. <laughs> and I'm here to help with that because I I want that. I'm here for you. Mm, beautiful. I know before we started recording, I know you said you're like not a huge Facebook social media person. Mm-hmm. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? I am on those, those things. <laughs> uh, the best way would just be through email. 
Um, and that can be found on my website. The email is higher-sex-education at gmail.com. That's the name of my business. Uh, we talked about this earlier too. I've kind of been going away from that because the algorithms are blocking me left and right by having the word sex in the in the name. That's my email, higher-sex-education at gmail. Um, and my website is just my name now. It's no longer higher-sex-education.com. It is now melissalheight.com. I imagine we'll just put that in the show notes so I don't need to spell it for you. That'll link you to um, scheduling with me, more information about uh, the, the consultations that I offer, more information on boundless living. There's podcasts on there that I've done in the past and some blogs that I've written. Go have fun yeah. and play around. Yeah, it's a great website. I was on there looking oh, at it, reading you. about you, reading some blogs. So go check it out book a consultation call of anything today, you are like, oh my God, I need to work with a holistic sex educator, or I've got these boundary things, like definitely reach out to Melissa. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate you having on today's episode. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. This has been so great to talk about. I love having conversations about it. I think it's important and healing. So thank you for giving both of us the space to navigate these things. Yeah. Super. Appreciate welcome. you. All right. I want to thank Melissa again so much for coming on the podcast today and for being here. Thank you to those of you that submitted questions to my podcast. I actually really liked how that happened. So maybe we'll do another one of those in a future around another topic. Again, you can find Melissa in the show notes below. If you're interested in doing deeper work with me, you can find me through my website or through Instagram, which is Leisha underscore Nelson. Looking forward to seeing you in two weeks. Have a beautiful day.